0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, I heard the sound of the voice of the one that created the universe, and he said, upon this rock, I built my church, and the very gates of hell shall never prevail against it. He didn't say they might gain a little ground and no 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 shall never prevail against it. And that word that he spoken long time ago still reverberating. You know if you take a stone and you put it in a lake, it keeps on going. The only time the wave stop is because it hit the shore. But ladies and gentlemen, the word that Jesus has spoken haven't reached the shore of glory yet. It is still alive. It is here. It is for you tonight. And so I want to let you know, ladies and gentlemen, that the very gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So that ears of yours should be well. So you receive it. And you praise God for it. Where's Penny? All right, Miss Penny, you sit over there. You have determined that this is your night, so let it be so. This is your night for those, whatever in that ears to be gone. And you rise and proclaim the glory of God. Because he who has created the world and you and your ear is here tonight. Because in the book of John, chapter 20, there's a story. I was looking at the the, the little baby. Where's the little baby? Okay, that's my little friend. What's your name? Yeah. So pretty. I bless you, Mia. Mm, I bless you. You are the generation. In your generation, you will rise and proclaim to your friends that Jesus is alive. I bless you in the name of Jesus as you rise to fulfill your destiny. You are the America of tomorrow, and you are the presence church of tomorrow. So I bless you. In John chapter 20, the disciples were in the room. Only the situation is a little different. We have the doors open so anybody can walk in. But in the time of John chapter 20, the doors were locked. We think that we in America in these last two years are the only ones who know about lockdown. The disciples were in a lockdown. And it was a fearful situation. It is a situation where one's mind begins to think, what in the world is going on? Is the kingdom losing? Is the enemy winning? Is darkness going to overcome light? Ladies and gentlemen, never in the history of the world, darkness overcome light. Never happened. If you think it happened, it is only in our imagination that we think it happened. Because you see, wherever light is, darkness cannot exist. And so the prophet Isaiah said it, behold, darkness will cover the earth. And somehow we remember that we allow that to cause us to be afraid. But the prophet said, rise, rise, because the glory of the Lord has Uh, risen upon you. It didn't say the glory of the Lord will arise upon you. That is talking about the future. It is talking about the present. It is talking about his presence now in the presence church. He's here. The light has already risen. So rise. Because the glory of the Lord is yours and the world is waiting to see and experience that glory. So the disciples were there. They were afraid, can you imagine why, for 40 months prior to that night that they were in a lockdown, they were out there having fun with Jesus. The water was turned into wine, I can relate to that, you know, because God has done the same thing in my little church 50 some years ago for and the following five, six, seven years. As a matter of fact, I thought he didn't do it anymore because I was traveling the world and I kind of a little not sure as to what he was doing now until I talked with a friend the other day and he said, Mel, I still have a bottle of that water that Jesus should turn into wine. When you come over to the island, I'll give it to you and you can bring it back to America. I said, well, the only problem is you can't put the stupid bottle in the suitcase because somebody will take it away, but we'll figure out something. I remember I was in uh, Burgundy, France. And a friend of mine took me to this place where the wine was created. Can somebody tell me what's the white wines? Sardonnay. You got it, brother Mike. You know, Melissa treat you right. <clears throat> and so we went to the city of Sardonnay where... The original Chardonnay was created a long time ago. And so the owner, the proprietor, uh, said, Yeah, Mesatari, uh, you can you know, taste uh, our uh, Chardonnay here. So just to be nice, you know, I took a little sip, you know, you don't want to be, you know, look difficult or, you know, uh, ornery. So I took a little sip and gave it back to me and to him. And I said, Sir, this is really wonderful. But let me tell you something. After you tasted the wine that Jesus changed from water, I apologize, but nothing else come close. So he said, I understand. I understand. I said, I'm glad you understand. <laughs> because you see, ladies and gentlemen, for these last 56 years, we have seen the glory and the power of the creator walking among his people. So the disciples tasted the water water that was turned into wine. The food, the bread multiplied. They saw Lazarus raised from the dead. You know, I would like to bring a film crew with Steven Spielberg, or one of them guys from Hollywood, to film just that one occasion. I don't know how they're going to write it up and film it and do their, you know, special effect. But, you know... When Lazarus rose from the dead, he didn't get well or alive in there into the cave and then mosey on out and say, hello, I'm here. You know why? Because when you died in in those days, and especially when you're rich and you're well-to-do like Lazarus was, you know, they wrap you up. Your head, your eyes, your hands and everything. When they finished wrapping you up and you became like a mummy and they put you inside that cave, let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, you can't move a finger. So when Jesus said, Lazarus, come out, Lazarus didn't walk out. In my uh, brilliant imagination, the power of the Lord hit Lazarus and psh- he was catapulted out of the cave and stood up there. You know why I think that way? Because Jesus said to the people, let him loose. Which means he wasn't walking out there. He wasn't loose. He was Then they let him loose. And Lazarus said, Phew. man, it's one thing to be alive. But it is another thing to be alive and free. Listen to this. It is one thing to be alive and become the child of God. But it is one thing to be alive and free. Free from sickness. Free, free from anything that hinder us from moving unto all that God has for us. So, if you talk with the disciples, they were having a great 40-month following Jesus. You name the miracle, and they have seen it. You know, they, uh, Peter, especially, he walked on uh, uh, the water there. I mean, you know, that was fun. Then something happened. The Friday before, the story that I just read to you, he was crucified. Then he died. Then he was buried. Wow. But that Sunday morning, he rose back from the dead. Because, ladies and gentlemen, that is the essence of the gospel. He was born, he was crucified, he died, he was buried. But that is not the end. The climax of it is that he rose from the dead. He came alive, not only then, but he's alive tonight and he's alive forever. I want you to think of that. We sang tonight, I am your temple. My life is your temple. And that means that he's in us. The one that is here, ladies and gentlemen, is the one who created the whole universe. He's so big that nothing can contain him. Yet somehow he lives in each one of us. Hard to imagine, but that is the reality. That you and I can experience, have experienced, and will continue to experience. 56 years ago, a 19-year-old young man, or young boy maybe, uh, was sick with malaria. He has been sick with malaria for four years. Praying, taking all the medication, you know, that chloroquine stuff, you know. Maybe not the hydrochloroquine, but the chloroquine without the hydro, whatever that is. I purposely say that because you probably know, you know, what was going on. And those terms, you know, you have heard about it these last two years during the lockdown. And somehow he was still sick. But one day when he was 19 years old, kneeling down on the dirt floor, he asked Jesus the question. And he said, Jesus, how come you said ask and you shall receive? I have been asking for four years and I ain't got nothing. Now, that's not fair. Your word is true. As a matter of fact, the Bible said, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. How come I haven't received the healing that I've been looking for? And for the first time in his life, he heard an audible voice that said, Mel, that was me. I was telling my story. You have gone to the church for 19 years, and that is good. I remember thinking, wow, God noticed that I was there, you know, on that Saturday in the presence. I was there. But he said, you're not my child yet. I said to myself, how come? You know, gone to church for 19 years, giving your offerings, singing and all those, worshiping God. You got to qualify for something. But you see, the voice said to me, you're not my child yet. I said, isn't going to church qualify me to become the child of God? And the voice came back to me and said, well, if going to the barn once a week qualify you to become a cow. I begin to think about it and I said, no, that's kind of not right or funny, you know. And if you become a cow by just going to the barn, then you become a Christian and my child by going to the church. Then I made a quick calculation there, you know. You can sleep in the barn every night. You can go to the barn once a week. You may smell like a cow or begin to learn to move like a cow. But thank God you don't become a cow by just going to the barn. Because if that is the case, when you got to the garage, you become a a beamer and he can drive around enjoying himself, you know, riding this beautiful car. Maybe a Lamborghini. So... You don't become a car by just going to the garage or a cow by just going to the barn. I wonder how you want to become a cow. I know that, Papa. We raise cows in the village there. The only way to become a cow is that you're born into a cow family. That's just the only way to do it. Well, then I reckon that is why Jesus said to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, God is a spirit. You got to be born again by the spirit. Then you become the child of God. I said, you know. Now I understood what I learned in Sunday school. John said it. He said, as many as receive him. See, my problem, ladies and gentlemen, is that for the four years when I have malaria, I wasn't looking for him. I was looking for healing. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to look for healing. But you see, as many as receive him. For God so loved the world, he gave us salvation. No. no. See, smart. Because that is not what John three sixteen says. Even the salvation we receive. For God so loved the world, he gave us healing. No. That's right. You see, for God so loved the world, he gave us Jesus. He gave his only begotten son. He gave us a person. So that day, ladies and gentlemen, I embraced the person of Jesus. And my life has never been the same again. As a matter of fact, I was excited because the moment I accept Jesus, the Holy Spirit made it clear and confirmed it in my heart. I knew it then. I knew it now. That my sins were forgiven. God is my father, heaven will be my home, and eternal life is mine. And ladies and gentlemen, when you know you got eternal life, you got to getting a little bit, You got to be happy about it, because you all know, we all know that this life is temporal, only heaven is eternal. Somebody sent me a message today, because three weeks ago, this week, I was in Poland, near the Czech Republic border. Didn't realize that about two weeks later, or yeah, a little bit over two weeks, the war will take place. And so he sent me a, a little video where a young soldier was saying goodbye to the baby and giving and giving the uh, the wife uh, a kiss goodbye because they were the only one who are allowed to cross the border into Poland. And he has to stand back or stay back and defend the home country, and, you know, uh, uh, so and he, uh, he was happy to do it, but still it was painful because in his mind he doesn't know if he will ever see the wife and the daughter or the kids ever again. You see, life is temporal, and death can separate us from those we love. But ladies and gentlemen, we are the one that who has resisted eternal life Nothing can separate us from one another. If it is, it will be only for time, because there's an eternal togetherness that will last, will last forever and forever and forever. I embraced Jesus that day, and I knew that eternal life is mine. I was so excited. That I got off my knees, opened the door, and the first person I met, which unfortunately was a friend of mine, let's call him John. I said, John, you got to get down to your knees right now, to your knees. Just go down to your knees. I'll show you something. Okay, you're okay. He he doesn't want okay. Let's imagine that he's getting, he's down in his knees. So I told my friend John, I said, John, you better confess all your sins. And he said, which one? I said, the ones you remember, you confess, and the one you don't, I will let you know about it. Because we are friends, you know, so we know everything. But I said, John, I tell you what, now that you uh, have uh, confessed your sins, you need to ask Jesus to come to your heart. Because God has given us not salvation, not healing, but he gave us a person. My friend John accepted Jesus. I said, John, you go north, I go south. And I said, whenever you go, tell people to embrace him, to embrace Jesus. And ladies and gentlemen, I haven't stopped yet. It has been 56 years since the day I embraced Jesus. And you know what? I forgot to ask him to give me the healing. I was so excited about who he is. I forgot to ask him for healing. But you know what? About a month later, I said, gee, I'm feeling pretty good. Penny." Don't you worry about that years. It's going to be okay. And then, six months later, the malaria was gone. You know, malaria is worse than COVID. You know, I mean, not that COVID is nice, but malaria kills five million people every year all over the world. When you got it, it's bad. And I got it for four years. A year later, there's still no malaria. And I remember thinking to myself, hmm, I didn't ask for healing, but I received the healing. You know why? Because when I embrace Jesus, I embrace the healer. And when the healer is in you, my friend, healing, just come along with the healer. When the Savior is in you, salvation came with the Savior. When... The Redeemer is in you. Redemption is yours because that is his very nature. When the Deliverer is in you, deliverance just comes with a package and it becomes yours. So, ladies and gentlemen, tonight I want to tell you, and I'm going to brag on my friend Jesus. Because he's the one, you don't choose me, but I chose you. And you are my friend. So my friend Jesus, we have walked together for 56 years. Not only did malaria never come back on year one. But it has been 56 years, ladies and gentlemen, where that malaria, that sickness has never come back again. And by the grace of God, you truly have never seen the inside of the hospital except there to go for some friends so that to pray for them so they be healed and get out of there. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, the gift of the Father is His Son, Jesus. And by embracing Jesus, you embrace everything that heaven has for you. Now I'm not trying to knock anything down here, Pastor Jesse, but I want to say it this way: the presence church is good, but to get that presence, we got to get the person. You embrace the person, and the presence will always be with you. And we are going to rise and become the church that God intends us to be. So the disciples, they were in a lockdown. They were afraid. They were wondering what the future will be, understandably. You know, after that huge crucify him, crucify him and all that, you know. One tend to get a little confused as to what the future will be. But I'm here, ladies and gentlemen, to tell you that the future of the United States of America, the nations of the world, and the church is secure in the covenant and the promise of God. Because my Bible told me that in the end, the glory of the nations will be brought in unto the new Jerusalem. It is going to be okay, ladies and gentlemen. What happened now is just the middle of the chapters in the book. Read the beginning. In the beginning, God. In the end, God. He got it all taken care of in the beginning and in the end. The middle is just a temporary event that we pass through it to go through the end that God has planned from the beginning of time. And I want to say that if Jesus can take a 19-year-old 19, 19 boy and walk with him for 56 years, there is nothing that God cannot do with each one of you and the church here. That's why I like the young ones there, because they're the future. I bless you in the name of the Lord, and I bless each one of you in the name of the Lord, because God has something for you that is going to change the destiny of this county, the destiny of California, America, the continents, and the nations of the world. It's exciting. I just got this letter from a friends in Poland, and they call me Papa Mel, you know, because I'm. To, by next month, I'll be 76 years old. You know, I don't look it, but that's the, uh, another point altogether that we don't have to elaborate on it. You know. But I've walked with Jesus for 56 years. I have seen him raise people from the dead. I've seen him make the blind to see and the crippled to walk. I've drunk that water that was changed into wine. I've seen great things that God has done. And the millions come to embrace Jesus. But ladies and gentlemen, it is not just for me. It is for all of you here tonight. That is why I'm excited when Pastor Michael said, and Miss Penny here said, Mel, can you come on that Saturday? I said, Yeah, I'll come. Because I'm looking for people who have a destiny in God. Now, oops, I have 36 minutes, so that is good. Yeah. You know what? So, here's the disciples. They're cooped up in the lockdown. And all of a sudden, there's no be- me up uh, Scotty kind of deal, you know. He just show up. Now, ladies and gentlemen, with the locked door, if Jesus can show up with a locked door, can you imagine what he's going to do with an open heart? He said, if you open the door, I will come in. Sup with you, you with me, and we're going to have the kind of fellowship nobody out there will ever imagine possible. But in the midst of the locked door, he was there. Shalom. You ask Pastor Jesse here and Pastor Mike, they knew all this kind of study. The word shalom means everything. You know, life, life eternal, healing, blessing, you know, you you name it. And the word shalom encompasses it all. Jesus said, Shalom. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, Shalom to each one of you. If that means healing for years, then Shalom. Take that healing. Whatever it means in the situation that you are in, Shalom is yours tonight. Receive it because the presence of Jesus is here. Then he said to them, As the Father sent me, so I sent you. The reason he gave us all the blessings. It's not so that we can just sort of kind of park there. But he said, as the Father sent me, I sent you. And then he released to them the Holy Spirit. You know, we sing about Holy Spirit come and rest on me and all that. He did it with the disciples two days ago, which meaning 2,000 years ago. You know what I mean? A thousand years is like a day. So two days ago, he did that. This is just day three. And day three is always the best, you know, because day three is resurrection day. So tonight, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you that there is something unbelievable, something unusual, something that is greater is a part of your life. That's what happened with the disciples. So he showed up, says "Shalom," Well, they were having a great time. Oh, they, he showed them his hand, so they were sitting there. I, I can see his hand. I can see his sight. Oh, I can feel his presence. I can hear his voice. I got the goosebump. That was good. But then, somebody wasn't on there. One disciple wasn't on there. His name was Thomas. I wonder where he was. Oh, I know where he was. He was in Sophie Stadium because he likes the Rams. And he wanted to make sure that he root for his friends. So the disciples, you know, were there in the lockdown. But Thomas said, mask of vaccination or whatever. I'm there. So he was there. He was rooting for his team. His team won too. So he was happy, you know. But he missed Jesus. And so when he came back to the you know, church that Saturday, oh. The people told him about what happened because Jesus was there. They said, Thomas, we saw him. We can feel his presence. We hear his voice. You know. I mean, we, we see him. We see that scar that is on his hand. And Thomas says something that I think the church has misunderstood him for two millennia. We call John the beloved. We call Peter the rock. You know, we gave them all a nice nickname. Poor Thomas kind of got the worst end of the stick. You know what we call Thomas? The doubter. Can you imagine Miss Penny? Somebody come to you and said, Miss Penny the doubter. That isn't too, it's not too flattering. We call Thomas the doubter. Because somehow the way the story goes, Thomas said, you know, Uh, Until, you know, I touch his hand, I ain't believing. So somehow we thought that Thomas didn't believe the testimony of the disciples. But that can be. You know, when 11 people told you that they saw Jesus... When the lady said, we saw the angels and we heard, the, we got the earthquake. When Peter said, I went into the, the tomb and saw the linen cloth there. When the two guys that went down to Emmaus said, you know, he went into the house. And the moment we break, broke bread, we know it was him. When everybody gave the same story and the same testimony, you can say it is not true. So Thomas believed the disciples. But why did he say what he said? I'll tell you what Thomas, why he said what he said. This is who Thomas is. He's not the doubter that we think. He is a fellow that has determined not to be satisfied. So he said, dissatisfied Thomas. He's not going to say, okay, you saw him, so I'm good with that. He's not the one who said, "Uh, you were sitting next to him when he showed up, so I'm good with that. Thomas said, I believe your testimony. But for me, Thomas, I want to go beyond you seeing the scar in his hand. I want to stick my hand. Now, this is not quite clear in your English translation. But if you understand Indonesian, it means sticking it. You know, not just, yeah, and manifest. Not trying to put anybody down, but uh, you know, some people uh, during worship, they, they got a the goosebumps. Nothing wrong with a goosebump. Oh, Heidi Baker passed by. You know, anybody here know Heidi Baker? You know, I was the best man in their wedding 42 years ago. You know, we are friends. You know, I sent them to the first mission uh, trip, you know, 40 some years ago. And, you know, Heidi passed by. Oh, f- I, I am not blaming Heidi. I'm not saying they shouldn't do it. That was nice. They manifest. But you know what, my friend? Thomas said, I'm going to go beyond manifesting. You tell me that you see Jesus? You tell me that you feel something? He said, me, Thomas, I'm going to stick my hand. Not just getting a little, when somebody passed by. He said, I'm going to grab hold of him. I'm going to stick my hand into the hole in his hand, the scar, and into the scar in his side. I'm going to stick to him and hug him so close that I can feel his heartbeat against mine so that I can hear the voice of his love whistling to my ears. I want to be so close, ladies and gentlemen, that your testimonies are great. Your stories are wonderful. But I'm going to go beyond your testimony to my own closeness, intimacy. It is so close, it is so tight that nothing can separate us, Jesus and me. As a matter of fact, ladies and gentlemen, doubting Thomas so that you know, after the day of Pentecost, some disciples went down to Africa, some to different parts of the world. Do you know what happened with Doubting Thomas? He went all the way to India with no Air India, no United Airlines, and Southwest. He walked and he went all the way to India. And the result of Thomas's ministry still today impact a continent 2,000 years later. I was in India the other day, and they told me there's 200 million people in India loving Jesus now, partly because what Thomas began 2,000 years ago. And I told the Indian churches, you better finish what Thomas started 2,000 years ago. Because if one man Thomas started, and it happened the way it is now, then 200 million Indians can literally change Then destiny of this nation. You can bring the gospel to China, uh, Afghanistan, wherever, because the Indian church, I told them, you need to rise and finish that which Thomas began 2,000 years ago. Doubting Thomas went the furthest with not much of the tools that we have today. Now, you and I, You're no doubting Thomas. I will never call you doubting Thomas because you'll never invite me to come back. So I'm smarter than that. You are believing Thomas's. And if doubting Thomas can go the furthest, then believing folks here in the presence can go further 10 times around the world or wherever God is going to set you to go with power because you can do it. Because if Thomas can, you and I can. So, ladies and gentlemen, I came tonight because I'm looking for Thomas. He may miss the first encounter, but he ain't going to miss the second one. As a matter of fact, on the second time, when the place is still locked, Jesus saw up and said, Thomas, come on. When he came the first time, he just said shalom to all of them. Nothing wrong with that. You got Jesus in your midst, that's just about enough, you know, to just knock us all down and we appreciate it. But when he came the second time, he said, Thomas, here, touch it, here. I see your heart. I knew your your desire. You are dissatisfied with the great experiences of your friends. You want to be close. You want you and I to be so tight that nothing else can separate us. You want to be so close to me that as a result you will go the furthest unto the nations. I'm looking for Thomas tonight, ladies and gentlemen, because 56 years ago a 19 year old embraced Jesus and he has been walking free, no sickness, for 56 years. And not only that, he has seen God did great things in the nations. He came from this stupid little island that don't have much. But God took him to the nations. He came to America 50 years ago, and the stupid translator didn't show up. Call him stupid because he's a buddy of mine from the same island. You know, he deserved it. I told that on his face too. But he passed away, and he's with Jesus. He don't mind. So he forgot to come and I got stuck because there's people like here sitting there and here's, I can't speak the English language. And after they finished worship with Pastor Jesse, they introduced me and they said, "Now, the pulpit is yours. I don't need that pulpit. I don't want that pulpit. And the Holy Ghost said to me, open your mouth and say brothers and sisters in Christ. I said, well, I can say that, but what next? I have an hour here. So the devil said to me, you better keep your mouth shut because you're going to look like a fool. And I said to the devil, when did I ask you You your lousy opinion? Let me give you a little wisdom, okay? The devil have the right to discourage you and to say any stupid thing toward you. But you have the right not to listen to all that garbage that he's trying to stuff unto you. As a matter of fact, you're going to save yourself a lot of problem if you just said to the devil, when did I ask you, you are lousy or stupid or whatever opinion, and go on. And so I opened my mouth and I said, brothers and sisters in Christ. And you know what? Something happened that I never expected. The Holy Ghost that we are talking about that rests in me, that dwells in us. He knows how to get your tongue going. Because all of a sudden, my tongue start moving, and it begin to talk. And the problem, ladies, you'll probably appreciate this. My stupid tongue couldn't quit, even though I tried to stop it. Can you imagine? You can't quit talking? That might be, I don't never mind, never mind. Let's not dwell on that. And so my tongue kept on talking for one hour. Everybody was listening. They seemed to understand what I was saying or what the Holy Ghost was saying. I didn't understand nothing of it. But on the end of the meeting, when we walk out the door, somebody, tears coming down their cheek, and they said, Brother Mel or Pastor Mel, whatever they call me, God has spoken to me today. I said, I'm glad he did because I did not. And from that moment on, ladies and gentlemen, God gave me the perfect understanding of the English language. So today, 50 years later, traveling all over the world and being here tonight in the present church in Orange County, I'm able to tell you about Jesus in English because he gave me that language long time ago. And so, what can Jesus do, ladies and gentlemen? Why am I here tonight? I'm here tonight because I'm looking for a Thomas. If I said I'm looking for a John, the old devil might say to you, "Ah, John, gee, who do you think you are? Or if I said I'm looking for a Peter, (laughs) the old devil might tell you, you ain't having no backbone of a rock to be a Peter. Whatever he's going to say. But if I said I'm looking for a Thomas, well, we can all probably qualify Because we call him Doubting Thomas. He couldn't quite understand what was going on. He missed the big revelation because he went to Sophie Stadium because he's looking for the Rams running with this stupid ball. That is Thomas. He doesn't qualify for anything. Oh, but ladies and gentlemen, don't underestimate my friend Thomas. He wasn't doubting. He was just determined. He was dissatisfied with just listening to somebody else's experience. He wanted his own. And he wasn't just looking for an experience of something he needed. He wanted an experience with the one that came from heaven. The son of the living God. The resurrected Christ. He said, I'm going to grab hold of him. Grab hold of him tight and never let him go. Ladies and gentlemen, the rest is history. India today have the hundreds of millions of people that love Jesus. And in the coming days, we're going to see great things that God is going to do. And if somebody had to grab Jesus like that, you never know what Jesus and the Holy Spirit can do. A story to prove the point. 2019, before the uh, pandemic, I was in Marseille, France. They told me that Lazarus was the first bishop of Marseille. I don't know about that, but let's just take them for that. It's not the time to argue their history or whatever. Okay. Lazarus was the bishop of Marseille. I was there, and this young pastor, he always called me Papa Mel because he's 40, and I was 70. So, you know, I kind of qualify. And so he said, Papa. I know that you are teaching in a mission school in Marseille, and Monday, that coming Monday, you're gonna go to fly from Marseille to London and London back to LA. He said, Can I come at eight o'clock in the morning Monday and see you in the Marseille airport? So I text back and he said, it's gonna take six hours. You know, with the train, six hours back. So it's gonna be a whole day trip, but I wanna do it. So I said, What are you gonna do that for, son? And he said to me, "I want the fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit and fire." Because remember, he remember he knows what John said, "I baptize you unto water, but he that will come after me, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire, <laughs> to be baptized into the Holy Ghost and fire, you know, meaning to be dunked in, soaked all around, and you, 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 can you let your imagination fly. So the young pastor from Madagascar said, I want the Holy Ghost and fire. Fresh anointing. So I'm going to see you 8 o'clock in the morning. Can I do it? Oh, I said, well, if he's that determined, it is his money. It is his time. Yeah, okay. I'll meet you at 8 o'clock in the morning, Monday morning in Marseille Airport. So 8 o'clock, I said to the pastor, let's get there a little early. Give the poor guy a little extra time. Then, you know, the five minutes he asks, you know, must be nice to him. We got there about 15 minutes to eight. I wasn't expecting him to be there. Africans have their own timetable, you know. But we walk into the airport in front of the security and there he was, Pastor Rodolfo with all the friends. We say good morning and, you know, greet each other. And I was thinking, yeah, if you want the fresh anointing of the Holy Ghost and fire, you know, this is the security Thing here, people walk through there to go through security to go to the gate. So it's that the the traffic is kind of heavy. So I said, I'm gonna bring him over to the other corner over there and pray for him, you know, not to bother all the traveling folks. Well, but before I got a chance to tell him that we need to go to the corner, he was down in his knees with his hands up. And his eyes closed. Well, you can't talk with a guy who didn't even look at you, you know. So he was determined to be prayed for right then and there. So I said, i be, we better get done and do it quickly because, you know, people are lining up, you know. They have to go all around us, you know, because we are blocking the traffic. So we lay hands on him. Pray in tongues or pray Whatever. And then after that, he opened his eyes and said, goodbye, Papa. The Uber is waiting outside. I'm going back to the train station for my six-hour trip to Paris. I said, okay. That's kind of interesting. I wonder what he got. What he got, ladies and gentlemen, is determined by his dissatisfaction. His determination not to be satisfied with others' experience and others' miracle, as wonderful as it is, he wants to stick his hand to the scar of his hand and put his hand on the scar on his side.
1: That is what he want.
0: And so the young man went away. About a month later I got a text. It's still here, Mike. Pastor Micah, you give me a hundred bucks, I'll forward you his text if you want to look at it. (laughs) He said, Papa Mel, after you pray for me, I travel all over France, preach the gospel, it was wonderful. But then one day, a mother called me and said, Pastor, our daughter, 18-year-old daughter, got sick. We took her to the hospital. And the poor thing died. And so, we're about to bury her. But if you don't mind, pray for her before we have to have the funeral. So, the pastors that I met in Marseille said, okay, put the phone on her ear. The dead 18-year-old girl's ear. It's probably an I-11 or I-7 at that time. (coughs) iPhone 7 or, you know, Samsung Galaxy 2 or whatever that thing is. You know, Thomas didn't have the technology and the tool to help him out. But we we got it. We got it. We got the airplanes. Oh, we got John Wayne next door. We got LAX an hour away from here. We got the potential, ladies and gentlemen, in this generation to change the course of nations. And to see that America will rise to fulfill her destiny, and the church who was built upon a rock will fulfill her destiny for this generation. So, Steve Jobs created this thing, mother put it on the 18 year old girl's ear, and the pastor prayed. He said, Amen. You know what happened? Can somebody tell me what happened? Or oh, guess? The girl came back to life. Mama just about <laughs> dropped the phone. Yeah, I'm glad somebody excited here. And you know what happened? The girl told the mama and told her, and the mama told the pastor. When the pastor was praying for me, a big hand grabbed hold of me. Not meaning his body, but her body, but. Her spirit, I would say. And the moment the pastor said amen, the big hand, now this is my way of saying it, shoved me back into my body. And here I am, alive. I got a picture here, but that's going to be at probably 500 or 1,000 for the picture. <laughs> we'll, 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 we can negotiate on that later. But ladies and gentlemen, as far as I can tell, that is the latest I know of of a modern resurrection from the dead in modern France. And I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, the Holy Ghost is going to lit a fire in Europe. People told me that Europe haven't seen the fire of revival of the Holy Ghost in 100 years. I said, that is great. When you have a wood and a forest somewhere that haven't seen forest fire for 100 years, I'm telling you, there's a lot of fuel underground. You stick in a little... A fire there, and you're going to have yourself a fire that cannot be extinguished. And ladies and gentlemen, I proclaim to you and the nations and Europe, the time to see the fire that cannot be extinguished is now, it is here. Because the Holy Ghost is working. We are the generation that will rise to see the fulfillment of what God is going to do. That is why I'm excited to be here tonight. I'm looking for a Thomas, somebody that will say, I like all the worship. I like going to church. I like everything that we have done. I receive all the blessings that we have in America. But you know what? I've heard Mel Tarish's testimony that people raised from the dead and he walked across the water, you know. you know. Pastor Micah here, bless his heart, tried to tell the story, but it was a little weak. It was a little weak, you know, but that's okay. But I don't have the time to kind of elaborate, you know. You can download Like Am I to Win from Kindle or Amazon.com and maybe you can get a better idea about it, you know. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. Not to brag, I am a living witness of what Jesus has done in this generation. I've seen him change water into wine. Now, you can ask Peter, but he ain't there. He ain't here. He was there, but he ain't here. You're going to ask me. I'm here. I'm a living witness of the power of God, raising people from the dead, making the blind to see and the crippled to walk, and changing the destiny of nations. But you know what? When I pass by, don't say, It's the stupidest thing you could have ever done. You know what I mean? Ooh, let me touch him. Touch what? Forget it. Be like Thomas. You got a good testimony there, brother Mel. You tell us about the miracles that you are a living witness of. But you said, you know what, Mel? I like your testimony. I'm grateful for what God has done. But I, Thomas, I'm going to go for my own. And I'm not going for the healing. I'm going for the healer. I'm not going for the blessing. I'm going for the blessed one, the person. I'm not going for the gifts. I'm going for the giver. I'm not going for nothing less than the person who came from heaven, died in the cross and resurrected from the dead, that said to me, I love you. And who said to me tonight, Thomas, here's the hand. Here's your opportunity to stick your hand on the scar. Touch this hand and let me hug you close so that you will know who I am and who you will be and what you can do to change nations. Eight minutes. Stand up on your feet, please. You want to hear some more miracles? Invite me to come back. I can tell you some stories. But let me tell you, my friend. Stories are good. They are true. They are wonderful. It's gonna cost Pastor Micah here five hundred bucks just for the picture of the girl. Talk him out of it, <laughs> Melissa. You know, it's just a picture. Talk him out of it. But encourage him. And encourage yourself. And be said, you know what? I'm gonna be the Thomas of Orange County. And with all the tools and the possibilities that Orange County have. Thomas don't have a two pennies to wrap, whatever you call that in his time. What's happened with me? I didn't have a bank account when I accepted Jesus 56 years ago. You know why? There's no bank in the whole stupid island to begin with. I mean, that's as simple as that. <laughs> we ain't having no credit or no card. Let alone the credit card. Do you know what? we stuck into Jesus. We desire him more than everything else. And we said, Jesus, you're the master. You want me to go? I will go. So he told me to quit going to the doctor's school in Russia at that time. And she said, you go to the nations. I said, Lord Jesus is going to cost you a bundle. Because I ain't got no money. I ain't got no experience. I ain't got no nothing. But he said, never mind. I will make the way. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm here just to tell you the faithfulness of the one who spoke. Upon this rock, I built my church. And upon this rock, you can stand firm. And you can make a difference in your generation. Like Thomas did in his generation and the impact of his life gone forward, 2,000 years forward to this day. I'm looking for people that will make a difference in the life of their children, the life of people in this Orange County so that the nations will be changed and 2,000 years forward they will say it was from the presence church where the watermark church was of Pullman Street next to the Johannesburg Airport. that Those people determine. They are not going to be satisfied with church as what everybody said it is. They want Jesus. Come up to the front, please. Did you hear me? I said, come up to the front. I'm 75 years old, so I don't give no more invitation. Jesus, I'm uh, no, 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 no. I'm seventy-five years old, and I earned the right to speak my mind. Okay, and I earned the right to tell you the truth that will set you free. And I said, "Get down to the front, please." I put the please just to be nice. But tonight is your opportunity, my friend. Don't be satisfied with all the fancy great stories and all the fancy things you hear out there. Us preachers know how to speak. But don't let us fool you. It is Jesus that's going to make the difference. And so I bless you in the name of the Lord. And tonight, ladies and gentlemen, you determine in your own heart. You tell him what you want. I ain't going to tell you. I don't know what you need. I don't know your heart, but you do. You tell Jesus tonight, I want to touch the scar on your hand. I'm going to be so close to you that nothing will separate me and you. And I'm going to go the distance because I'm so close to you, I'll go the furthest. Your destiny is sure. This Jesus is for real. I've walked with him for 56 years. Yes." A long time. You have at least 50 years to go. 50 years to go, girl. You do. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm looking for Thomas here tonight. Somebody here. A Thomas here tonight. Pastor Jesse, come up here. You're the pastor, so we're gonna honor you here. You know your folks. Tell them something and then pray with them (laughs) because I'm done. I think, you, I think you need to stay up here. Okay, I'll stay <laughs> they get me every other month, every other week. Um, yeah, I, I, this, this is good. Judah, I bless you in the name of the Lord. Just like your sisters, you're going to rise. And you are going to make a difference in your generation. By the power and the presence of the Holy Ghost and Jesus in you. I bless you. Your mom and dad, listen to mama. Mama knows what she's doing, okay? Lift up. Put your right hand on, uh, the left hand on your heart. And by putting that, you say, Jesus, I embrace you. You, don't, you, know, you know, I didn't mean you to repeat it yet, but, uh, but that's good. That's okay. I mean, while putting your left hand, you, 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 you're determining. You, you, you want Jesus, all right? And then lift up your right hand. Left hand still on your heart and the right hand up. And you are in your right hand, you said, "I'm going to grab all of the Holy Ghost I can get and fire. So Father, in the name of Jesus, you talk with him right now, my friend. Let's just pray this prayer. Jesus, I want you. I need you. I embrace you. Fill me with the Holy Spirit and fire. I'm yours. Today and forever. I'm yours. I'll follow you. I want to hear your voice. And I'm going to do my part. So just pray your own prayers here. You know, you're all adults. You know what to do. Even Judah, here you know how to pray. Hi, Judah. Father in the name of Jesus Just say something that between, only, between you and Jesus only tonight Just say something Whatever that is You tell him what you want You tell him what you need You tell him your commitment Just say it to him right now So Father in the name of Jesus I thank you so much for each of my friends that are here Lord Jesus I release to them the Holy Spirit and fire And let it be that your presence in each one of them, Lord Jesus, from this moment on will make a difference. For Orange County, for California. You know, everybody out there gave up on California. Don't you ever give up on California, okay? Because the Lord told me to come here 40-some years ago. I want to go to other states. And he said, no, California. So, ladies and gentlemen, for California, for America, for the nations of the world. We are the church that was built upon a rock. And the very gates of hell, hell shall not prevail against it. What's the little guy, girl's name again? Mia, Mia. I like Mia. Mia, I bless you. Mama, bless Mia. All those young ones, I bless them all, Lord Jesus. The young ones over there. Oh, you guys, bless these young ones here, Father, in the name of Jesus. And Lord Jesus, let your blessings, your presence When they go back home tonight, all of a sudden, they got a dream they never dreamed they're going to have. Somebody's going to got a vision, and they're going to say, am I watching TV or something? Then they realize that the TV ain't on. The Holy Ghost, Jesus, is giving them to see something that they haven't seen before. Somebody here are going to hear the voice of the one that hugged them tight and whisper in her ear, I love you with an everlasting love. I always like you, and I'll never let go. Somebody here will hear something that will literally change their destiny, and not only change their destiny, they will change others' destiny. And let it be as it was when I was here 50-some years ago and preached in that white tent of uh, Fairview. Fair, Fair, what's the name of that? Fairview? Yeah. I was preaching there. You know under a white tent. And a couple of young men, hippies, were there. One of them, right now over in Riverside, what's his name? Greg. Greg was there with the long hair. And the other guy from down in San Diego, they all were the long hair and they were, you know, <laughs> they don't look presentable, but they're good. They're good. And you know what? They've gone on from that tent to change the life of many. Forty some years ago, I was flying to London the other day, and when I arrived, my text here said, a young man by the name of Max, Max, said, Papa Mel, he's 21 years old, English boy, did you know that um, Reinhard Banke passed away? I said, no. He probably passed away when I was passing over the Atlantic or something. And he said, Papa Mel, and so I said, I'm oh, sorry to hear that. He's Papa Mel, you know Reinhard Banke. I said, well, let me tell you a story. Forty-some years ago, I was in South Africa and four young men walked into the building. And one of them with a gruffy voice said, I want to be prayed for because God told us to bring this tent all over Africa. So we want to be filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. I said, you got it and got down, young man. And I called the other pastors, lay hands on them and released to them the fresh anointing of the Holy Ghost and fire. Never met him. Well, I met him another time, but never again. Be that close to him. And that day I realized he has gone, but he brought 70 million people, Africans mostly, and others, with him to heaven. My buddy, Reinhard Monkey, I can tell you stories, but that's not the point, because I'm looking for the Reinhardt in this room. My friend Billy passed away. He was the only one that came forward when that revival meeting was taken place. And the preacher was disappointed. But he prayed for Billy. And guess what? Billy became Dr. Billy Graham. That changed the destiny of millions. I'm looking for one Thomas here tonight. <laughs> What's the girl's side for Thomas? Never mind. Miss Thomas. Never mind. I'm looking for Thomas, somebody with the heart that is not going to be satisfied with no miracle, no story until he and Jesus got it tight. Stick his hand on the scar in his hand and the scar in his side. I bless you, sir, in the name of Jesus. I like you because you have your own mind. Most people, when the preacher tells them to do something, they do it. You don't. I like that. You keep that kind of spirit. You be stubborn for God. And you're going to go far, my friend. I bless you. Please pick up your world-changing children from revival kids. Go, mamas. The kids are waiting. Or oh, Send that. Send that. Go. Mama's going to stay here. We're going to change the names. Pastor, you pray and release them.